All right, I get to preach today, and I'm pretty excited about it. I had a lot of fun um, thinking and studying this week. Sometimes certain topics are more exciting for us to prepare and to think about than others. And so this sermon series, if you're ever wondering, so Jamie and I together have different, like, things we want to talk about. I picked Ephesians. I was like, I really want to preach on Ephesians. And Jamie was like, I really would like to do a sermon series on wisdom. And so we take turns picking, and then the other person has to be like, okay, I will go learn about wisdom as well. And um, so he, isn't this great? Jamie created this, unwise, wise, unwise. It's just fun. So last week, Jamie preached the first sermon series, first sermon in the series on wisdom, and I was upstairs teaching Sunday school. So I don't know what he said. I could have listened to it, and I usually do, but I didn't. So he says, don't contradict what I said. <laughs> I was like, can't guarantee anything. Uh, so we'll see what happens. So I'm calling this sermon Wisdom, the Good Life. And we'll talk about why the good life. But Jamie asked a question last week, and I thought it was a really fun question, and I didn't get to answer it. He asked you what you think of, and some, like, like often, there's a lot of different people here than last week. So what do you think of, and now you've had a week to think about it for those of you who are here. What do you think of when you think of wisdom? What do you think of when you think of wisdom? And I'm learning about myself. I'm a very visual human being, and I often think in pictures. And when Jamie asked us this at staff meeting, this picture, you put that up, Eric, this is what came into my mind. I remembered this picture. And it's an older person. This is a desert father. It's from a book I have of um, art and drawings. And this is a desert father, and those are the mountains. It cut off a lot, a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit at the bottom. I kind of think of quiet, alone, mountains, nature, stillness. And then there's a quote that goes with this, and I'd like to read it to you. A philosopher asked St. Anthony, Father, that's what they would call the saints, how can you be enthusiastic when the comfort of books has been taken away from you? I'm a, I'm a book, bookophile. He replied, my book, O Philosopher, is the nature of created things. And whenever I want to read the word of God, it is usually right in front of me. As a saying from the Desert Fathers. So for me, when I think of wisdom, I think of nature. And ironically, I read so much. I read so much. But I don't think of books. Because... You can read a lot of books and not get any wiser. Is that not? Like, you can. You can just consume. You can just consume information. So there's something different beyond just reading, and there's something different between besides wisdom. And as I get into my message today, we will see why from Scripture that when we see nature, we think of God. So it's right, right there in the Scriptures for us. And then go to the next picture. I also, this one came to mind. An old man said, constant prayer quickly straightens out our thoughts. There's so many good, good quotes by the Desert Fathers. So there's another one. We'll just leave that one there. We're going to leave that there as I preach today. And then I'll pull up one more picture at the end. So what does the Bible say about wisdom? And what does the Bible say about the good life? 
So I'm going to start with a story, and then we're going to spend a lot of time in Proverbs and a little bit of time in Ecclesiastes and a little bit of time in Job, because those three books are considered the wisdom literature of the Bible. And if you look at just one, you don't get the full scope of what the scriptures has to teach on wisdom. You get a piece. You get like an incomplete picture. So we're going to kind of look at all of them in a breaststroke. Um, this year, and we're going to kind of use a metaphor of trees because I come back to trees a lot if you've been around. So this year, has fall not been like amazing? Fall has been amazing around here. The colors on the trees, like have you seen the trees where they're green, then yellow, then red? I don't know what it's been on the west side for people who came from the west side, but over here we've had one of the most beautiful falls I can remember, and I do not even want to be inside. Like, any chance I can get to be outside, like the other day I was at Sunnyside with my Bible and my journal, and I was like, I do not want to go in. And this year has been so beautiful. And I was thinking about the trees as I was looking at them over and over and over again. And if you plant a tree correctly, if you put it in the right soil, if you give it the right amount of water, if you prune it, if you do all the things, what ought to happen is that year in and year out, through winter, through the season, the tree will continue to grow. The tree will continue to thrive. The tree will look beautiful. Like if you do the things, this is what the tree will look like. And that is the book of Proverbs. <laughs> that is the book of Proverbs. If you do this, this is what should happen. And we will get to the fact that that does not always happen. But this is the book of Proverbs. So we're going to start with Proverbs. Proverbs, so what's, what's fun, and I'm not the first person to see this, and I was reminded of this when I'm studying. So the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job make up the wisdom genre. There are other sections of, like, wisdom in the Bible, like we read a wisdom psalm um, at Bible study. And it reminded me of Proverbs. So it's scattered, but those are, the, those are the books that we look to. And Proverbs is considered, a, like, given a persona, it's the brilliant young teacher. So if you've read Proverbs, that might make sense to you. So Proverbs is the brilliant young teacher. Ecclesiastes is considered the middle-aged skeptic, right? The sharp, smart skeptic. Who, who's the middle-aged skeptic? Maybe me. And then Job is the withered old man who's seen a lot. So those are kind of, they give you like a persona, a person you can imagine that's kind of the person behind this book. So we will start with Proverbs with the brilliant young teacher. They have incredible insights. The, this woman, so we use a woman for Proverbs because Proverbs all over is lady wisdom. If you've read it, it's lady wisdom, lady knowledge. So she gets to be the bright young woman scholar. And she knows about all sorts of things. So when you read the book of Proverbs, she has wisdom on relationships. She has, relation, she has on money, on business, on sexuality, like almost every area of life Proverbs speaks to and speaks to wisdom about that area of life. She is the friend you all wish you had because you could ask her about anything and she would have wisdom and wise things to say. The word wisdom 
in Hebrew is chokmah. That might sound fairly, a little familiar, been in the church. It means wisdom in Hebrew. And it creates this picture. It describes someone who lives or someone who creates beauty. So chokmah is a person who creates beauty, is wise. A wise person creates beauty. So think about living a wise life is going to be a beautiful life. Proverbs teaches us that there's like a cause and effect. There's a law in the universe. When you act this way, this is what usually, not always, this is what usually happens. If you choose to live this way, this is what normally will happen. One thing I was noticing um, when I was there, so we're going to head to Proverbs. And you can just, if you got your Bible, head to Proverbs. And we are just going to hang out in, for most of the time in the first three chapters. So we're going to kind of move around. I just read them over and over and over again. One thing that we notice when we look at Proverbs, if we go to Proverbs 1, 20, 21, and 22. And I'm going to read this. Wisdom cries out in the street. In the square, she raises her voice. At the busiest corner, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. So I imagine right there, Pullman, right? Right there, by the library. That's where wisdom is in our town. The busiest place. It is not very busy around here, is it? But that's where wisdom would be in our town. And she's crying out. She's calling out. She is in the middle of the town. And so what I saw from here, I'm like, wisdom is for everybody. I kind of had an idea that wisdom is for some people. Like wisdom, some people are. But actually what scripture says is wisdom is for you all. It reminded me of Ephesians. Wisdom is for you all. It's for me. It's for you. It's not for these chosen elite humans. It's crying out in the street. But it made me think to myself, if wisdom is for every single person, not just here, but everywhere. Why are so few of us wise? Like, why are so few of us wise if God has made it available in the middle of the, you know, in the middle of this, it's hollering. It's not even quiet. Wisdom's like, pay attention. Look at me. Here I am. But like, probably like the drummer downtown, we all just like drive by him and think, oh my gosh, you're there again. Oh my goodness, will he never stop? Who knows the drummer? Who knows the drummer? More of you have got to, have you? Yes, okay, I'm getting nods. Yeah, that's wisdom. Wisdom's like, here I am, pay attention. I was like, well then why aren't we all wise? And you know what else I thought? I was like, this is so like God. Like wisdom is for all of us. And I reminded, Jesus, it's so like God. I'm for everybody. Here I am. Anybody and everybody can choose but you have a choice. It reminded me, like, it's so like the God of the Bible. Everyone can have this. It's not for just a special few. Proverbs also teaches us that it's for everybody. And also, there is a spirit of wisdom, and I will read this passage to you. When panic strikes you like a storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, they will call upon you. 
but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. So Proverbs teaches us that for people who chose to not live wisely, for people who are like, I am too busy living my life. And it actually goes like, I am partying. I am doing my own thing. I don't have space. When, when calamity comes, because it will, the spirit of wisdom will say, I don't know you. Who are you? I don't know who you are. And you'll be like freaking out, not knowing what to do. Your life is upside down. And the spirit of God, the spirit of wisdom will say, who are you? I'm sorry, have I ever seen you before? And saying, I won't, I won't know you. But he's saying that those who do know, who have sought after wisdom, those who have looked to God for wisdom, when the carpet is pulled out from underneath you, because it will, wisdom will say, here I am. Here I am. Listen to me. You know my voice. You've heard from me. There was something here I wanted to say. Uh, I wanted to say wisdom is also woven. We see from Proverbs that wisdom is an attribute of God and wisdom is woven into creation. It says here, in chapter 3, verse 19, the Lord, by wisdom, and some, some scriptures, some translations say the spirit of wisdom, founded the earth. So Proverbs 3, 19, the Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down, down the dew. So we see this thread, like wisdom was created by the Spirit. The Spirit of God used wisdom to create this world. And that is why when you look at creation, that is why so many people, when they stop and look at creation, they see and learn about the wisdom of God. That is why when you get out um, and you sit by a lake, when you get by the water, when you look at the trees, you can see God. You see the wisdom because there is a thread of God's wisdom that is woven in creation. I like this phrase. It makes sense to me. Um, when I'm in nature, it's like you let nature do its work. Does that, does that make sense? Like God created nature and you're sitting in it and staring at it and it does something deep and profoundly to you. You're letting, you're letting the nature do its work. So Proverbs um, is a book that I read a lot in my 20s, a whole lot in my 20s. And um, it was interesting to me. I loved the book of Proverbs. And because, in a way, it guides you. As a young person, it says, this is, a, this is the good life. This would be a good way for you to live. And so I studied it, and I listened, and I looked. And this is something I was realizing when I was studying this, this getting ready for this sermon series. When I was in my 20s, I kind of thought I was a wise person. Like, I looked at myself, and I thought, you're pretty wise for 20. <laughs> I really did. And I'd look around, and I'd look at other people, and I'm like, yeah, 
you're doing pretty good for you're in your 20s. And I was realizing when Jamie was like, we're going to do this sermon series on wisdom. And if I'm just honest, I, I don't feel super wise in my 40s. I don't think that I am like super wise. Like, oh, come to me. I have oracles for you all. I don't feel that way. And I don't think that I am an unusually wise person. But I did like the opportunity to learn about wisdom and to think about it. And I realized what it is, is it's an opportunity to pray for wisdom. And so I just started saying, God, make me wise. Help me be wise. And I started praying like I thought of the Paul. I've been praying for you all. I was like, wouldn't it be cool to be full of a church of people who had God's wisdom? Like it was part of who we were. It was part of what we had committed to. And I was thinking this week, so I was in Bible study with Kelly and I, this week, and I hadn't been in Bible study with Kelly for a number of years, and I remember there's this question she asks a lot. I was like, oh, I remember you asked that question. Like, it's a really good question, and I'd kind of forgotten about it. So she says, all the way through Scripture, you can say, what is God doing? Like, what is God doing here? And what is man, what is humanity asked to do? And so I was thinking about that in Proverbs. God says, I'm calling out at the busiest corner. I am like, this is what God's doing. God's like, I am making known to you how to, I, I am here. I'm calling out. And what our job is to do is to seek after wisdom. Our job is to um, seek it with all we have. Our job is to, like it says, like to take great costs to find wisdom to seek after it, find wise friends, read wise things, sit, like whatever it takes, seek after wisdom. That's, that's our part. So the question I go back to that Proverbs is answering is what does it look like to live the good life? And actually Ecclesiastes and Job asked the same exact question. But something happens. We realize at some point the Proverbs is just a little too simplistic. Because you live long enough and you realize that you did the wise thing and your life went upside down. You're like, I followed this. I did this. A plus B is not equaling C. It doesn't look like C at all. It looks like X. It's so far from what it's supposed to be. And so that's why we turn to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, what I say was, it was the middle-aged sharp skeptic. So we're going to move to the middle-aged sharp skeptic. Ecclesiastes says that cause and effect from Proverbs, which is a good idea, it doesn't always work. It doesn't always happen, no matter what you think. Um, Ecclesiastes teaches us that sometimes life doesn't go as planned, even if we follow the path of wise living. Ecclesiastes, if you've read it, can be a little depressing. You can be like, oh, and he just keeps going. Like it starts a little depressing, and then it gets more, and then it gets more. What's really helpful, if you don't know this about Ecclesiastes, is it's written in two voices. So it can kind of be confusing. I remember the first time I read this, and I was like, oh, oh, that makes so much more sense. There's a teacher and he's writing, and there's a critic. So you're reading the two different voices, and it's super confusing before you figure that. You're like, what is going on here? So if you go to read it, 
And if you were wanting, like, there's, there's two voices speaking here. So there's a critic and there's a teacher. So in Ecclesiastes, he says, we're all going to die. This is what I've learned. We are all going to die. And it doesn't matter if you're good or you're bad. It doesn't matter if you've made good choices or bad choices. It doesn't matter if you saved all your money or you didn't. It doesn't matter if you were a jerk and took advantage of everybody. You're all going to die. You're like, well, that's a little depressing. Thank you. So he also teaches us. So this is interesting. Uh, Have you noticed they use the word meaningless? Have you read it? Meaningless. Meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Everything under the sun is meaningless. And you're like, why is this in the Bible? Meaningless, meaningless. So it's the word for meaningless is havel. I might be saying it right. It's Hebrew. I might not. I'm trying. It's havel. And like many words, when we translate them, it's one word doesn't quite work. So meaningless kind of gets to the point, but a better picture of the word havel from the Old Testament is smoke. Life is like smoke. So he encourages us to come at it with an open hand, and you can't grasp it. Have you ever tried to grasp life? Like You're like, come on, but it's smoke, and it goes through your fingers, and you're best just to let it be. We've had a fi- we had a fire last night, Jamie made a fire outside, and it's like smoke also. Like, life is like this, like you can kind of see through it, and you can kind of make clarity out of life, but in some ways you just can't. It's like, have you ever read that problem? Like, is it good? Is it bad? Who's to say? Who's to say? So it's also like smoke. Like, you can't grasp it, you can't hold on to it, and a lot of times, if you're really honest, you cannot clearly see what's going on. So it's like smoke. This is interesting. In Ecclesiastes, he says, even though A plus B sometimes equals X, and even though life does not always go the way you want it to, even though there's not always the cause and effect, Ecclesiastes, he says, it is still the way to live. This is still a better way to live. Because think about it, it often does work that way, right? If you choose to live wisely, it usually works this way, but you can't bank on it all the time. So Ecclesiastes teaches us to learn to hold things in an open hand. You can't control your life and stop trying. (laughs) That's what Ecclesiastes, stop trying, you can't do it. The only thing that you can control is yourself in this present moment. Your attitude toward the present moment, so stop worrying. He says to stop worrying. You can choose to enjoy this life because both the good and the bad when they come, they are rich gifts from God. So enjoy the sun on your face. Enjoy a good meal with your friends. Enjoy a conversation, a lingering conversation of death. Enjoy the simple things in life, both our gifts from God. Listening to the critic of Ecclesiastes can be painful. And in the end, he says, do not lose hope, and your proper response is to obey God. So even when it doesn't work out to A plus B equals C, our response is still we're asked to obey. I was thinking of back to the tree. And in our neighborhood, 
they have planted trees, like not our neighborhood, the neighborhood where we walk above us. We call it the rich neighborhood. It's where the big houses are. And we walk through there, and we've been walking there for years. And they planted trees not too long before we moved in this neighborhood. And Jamie was an arborist at one time, like certified. That's a tree doctor. And he's like, they planted these trees wrong. They're not going to make it. They had like bags on the root system. They do this a lot. I don't know if they do other places, but in Pullman, a lot of times they just plant the trees with a bag around it. And they're not plastic, but they're bags, and you're supposed to take it off so the roots, right, can breathe and go down deep. And then they also, like, plant them, and they put these stakes on them, and they put, like, a, uh, like a coating around the bark. And so the tree can't, like, you're supposed to do that and then cut them off. But they don't. They just leave them, right? So the trees in these neighborhoods were planted wrong. But for years, the trees look great. They look fine. Like, winter comes, snow comes, rain comes, fall comes. Like, they're fine. They look beautiful. Jamie and I have lived above, we've been walking that, how many years have we been walking that loop now? Like, 14 years? And now, maybe five years ago, one by one, the trees started, boom, dying, falling over. And Jamie's like, see, look at that. There's a bag around the roots. And it hadn't completely dissolved. And there's like one taproot trying to make its way down, down, down. And so what's supposed to happen is the roots go down and then all these little roots come off. And those little roots suck up all the water, right, and all the nutrients. And you can only go so long. Like us, right? You can live for a long time not doing the things that you need to do to take care of yourself. But eventually, some winter will come. And then the fall comes, or the spring comes, and we're like, oh, there goes another one. Didn't come back to life. And slowly, we've just watched the trees in that neighborhood die, die, die. And because they didn't plant it correctly. And it's like, I was thinking, it's like the fool in Proverbs. Have you ever looked at somebody and you thought, man, everything seems to be working, and they are making the worst choices. This is so not fair. Maybe I'm the only person. But I've seen family members, and I was like, what is going on here? They have made a mess of their life, and it looks great. And then, like, you're not, I don't know how you say this lovingly, and then things kind of fall apart when things get hard. And it's because their roots, they didn't, they didn't have roots in anything other than just kind of pleasure. And it's kind of like the tree. I was thinking, we have that chance. We have that opportunity. Like, what kind of, what kind of human are we going to be? What kind of tree are we going to be? So that when life comes, um, when winter comes, that one winter comes, it was just a little bit harder than the last, we can make it. And sometimes, you know, people like, like look great. I can look great, but maybe my roots are just so barely hanging on, and people can't know. Only you can actually know. Only I can know. Like Ecclesiastes said, the only person you can is yourself, is yourself in the moment. So I was thinking of, I thought of the trees as I was walking our neighborhood and thinking of this passage. The next one, to get a full picture of wisdom. So it's getting broader. You see that? So we got Proverbs, kind of simplistic. A plus B. Then you get Ecclesiastes, except for when it doesn't. And now we get to Job. <laughs> and if you know Job, you know where I'm going with this. So what does Job have to teach us about the good life? What does it have to teach us about God being good and just? So here's a snapshot. In my, my words, what's happening? 
So up in heaven, the angelic sons of God are up there. The angels, they call it sons of God, are having a conversation. And one of these angels, angelic beings, maybe not angel, angelic beings is called, it's pronounced Satan. Satan. Satan approaches God. And Satan means, this is really interesting, the one who opposes. Isn't that interesting? Satan, the one who opposes. That makes a lot of sense to me. So he comes to God and he says to God, Job only likes you because you give Job everything he wants. Sounds like a kid, right? You all, Job only is serving you because look at his house. Look at his kids. Look at everything he has. He's got everything he wants. And that is why Job likes you. And we don't know why, but God says, and he says, what if you took everything away from him? He wouldn't like you anymore. And I'm not sure why, but God says, okay, let's try it out. And we know he doesn't deserve it because God says he does not deserve this. But God takes everything away. He lets it be stripped from him. And in the beginning, Job starts still praising God. He's like, I still praise you, God. You took it all away. I still praise you before he starts the roller coaster, the emotional roller coaster. He's on an emotional roller coaster is what Job does through Job. And Job's friends make it all the worse. And they just come and say, well, I think obviously you must have screwed up your life. Because if you were doing life the way God asked you to, it wouldn't look like this. If you were doing life right, your marriage wouldn't look like that. If you were doing life right, what would you like to happen? Your kids would look like this. Your bank account would look like this. Clearly, you've got it all wrong. Mm. I, I was raised with a, an idea in my mind that it's doing well. You must have done something right. And sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. You know that? Sometimes you've done everything right, and it didn't turn out right. That's Job. So in the midst of this, Job demands something of God. Job obviously must be rather close to God because he demands God Tell me, he says, come to me and tell me what's going on. Explain yourself to me. I need you to tell me why you're doing this to me. And he explains it, and God comes to him. God comes to him in a storm cloud, and he explains to him what, well, he doesn't actually explain anything to him. What he does is says, I'm God, and I'm going to do what I want to (laughs) do. He doesn't actually explain anything, but he did answer him, and he did come to him. Job never learns why he suffered. And yet, this is what Job teaches us, and yet he came to a place of peace. God restores everything to Job. Why does he do this? I don't know. And he even doubles it. He doesn't give us a lot of like, this is why I did this. He basically says, I'm God, and I will do what I'm going to do. And It took Job a long time. Job is a very long book. It took him a long time to get to that place where he's okay. We do not know. Now Job, at the end of this long journey, is the type of person that no matter what comes, good or bad, he can trust God's wisdom. I've seen this happen to people. Their lives have fallen apart, and it's been a long journey, and they have to shout at God and scream at God 
and go on an emotional roller coaster, and they come to this place that blows my mind that whatever God does, good or bad, God is good to them. I've seen it. I've seen it, people in this room. And they've planted trees, and they've lived wisely, and life did not add up. And they went on a journey, and they came to the end, and they said, I still choose God. I still choose this way of life. Each book offers us a unique perspective. I think of Job, and I was thinking of the trees. Sometimes you plant your tree perfectly. Sometimes you plant it in the right part of your yard. You give it the right nutrients. You prune it, and everything is perfect. And then we get a freak snowstorm in March, and the ground is saturated here, and it's so wet, you can take one of those tree trunks, and you can go like this. Have you ever tried it? It's kind of fun. So like a tree in our neighborhoods, when it gets just so waterlogged, and then it gets hot, it does that here. We get, a, we get like three feet of snow, the end of February, beginning of March, and then it just gets super warm, and it melts, and everything is just so wet and muddy. And then we get these random, like, windstorms. They come through. You've seen it? And then there's trees down around Pullman. That's Job. You cannot prepare for that. There is nothing. You could do everything right, and that storm is a freak windstorm, snowstorm, and it's going to happen, and it's going to take you down, or the tree down. I am not sure why. I really enjoyed studying for this message a lot. And I think because it helped me make sense of my life and why sometimes things do not look the way I wanted them to. I have some deep grief in my life about doing things certain ways and wanting them to look certain ways, and it did not work out that way, and it doesn't maybe look like it will. And I don't think I'm alone. And yet, looking at it, I can hear the Ecclesiastes teacher saying, it's still the right way to live. It's still what I want you to do. And I'm not sure I've had quite a Job experience uh, yet, and I really don't want to. Um, But I have definitely had times where life did not look how I wanted it to, more than once. And I can hear the teacher in Ecclesiastes saying, this is still the way to live. All you can take care of is yourself. I think I needed the message, and I, I hope you did as well. I hope it speaks to you. I'm excited to talk more about wisdom. I'm excited to look at wisdom and beauty and their correlation. I'm excited for that. So the last picture I have for you is that. We were on the ladies' retreat. Uh, A few of us, a handful of us, plus a little more, this last Friday, Saturday. And that is also a picture I wanted to share with you when I think of wisdom. There's the nature 
And I loved studying the book of Proverbs this week and seeing how it teaches that the, because for me, nature is such a place where I connect with God. I mean, I so connect with God. And just to see that it's taught, there's a thread of wisdom of God through nature. So as we close today, I'll just leave that there. I think I think of wisdom a lot of time is, a lot of times I'm always being alone, being still, being quiet. Our culture is pretty antithesis of wisdom right now. If you think of what requires for wisdom, we are not slow. We are not, we are plugged in. Um, so I want to ask you today as we close, if wisdom is calling out in the middle of the square, it's calling out to you, calling out to me, what do, you, what do we need to do? That's God's part. I'm calling out, what do we need to do to hear that wisdom, to grow in that wisdom? If I give you a moment. It's interesting that the three books teach us what it looks like to live the good life. And I remember one time, several years ago now, sitting in a Bible study, and, um, and the scripture talks about happy are the people who do this, full of joy are the people who do this. And I think we kind of bought into this crazy idea in the American church, and she's like, she said, God doesn't care if you're happy. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And I thought, oh, you're not a very happy person. That's what I thought, right? She goes, that is ridiculous. She, it made her angry because this author was proposing that God wants us to be happy. God does laughter, like Janice said. God's people will be full of delight. That does not mean that we do not grieve because actually you have to grieve to be full of delight. But God, the good life, that is what God wants for his people. And that is so attractional. Yeah. So if you were taught that idea, God could care less if you're happy. I'd like to tell you what's wrong. That God does desire happiness for you. All right, let's pray. I'm going to pray for you. And, or let's just sing. Stand up. We sing the doxology here. It's our little piece of liturgical living. Stand. You guys were quiet today. I'm going to trust it's because you were processing what I was thinking. You have to do that as a public speaker. Did you know that? You just have to trust that when they're silent, they are actually listening. At least whoever needed to be that day was listening. All right, let's sing. Join me, okay? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and
little taste of heaven. You guys sound so good. All right. God, be with these people. May we be wise. May we desire to be with you this week. May we not forget about you in the middle of our work, in the middle of the things we do. May you draw our eye to you. May we um, be people that are full of joy. Amen. Amen. Okay.